the Better Podcast with your host, Jackson Grimes and Blake Grimes. Yes, yes, everybody. Welcome back. Episode 5 of the Sooner the Better Podcast with your hosts, the Grimes Brothers. Um, this is kind of a special episode, I guess. I mean, I, I think I think 5 is definitely a milestone. It means we've gotten past the point where, you know, mo- most people give up on the dream and quit. But, uh, you know, we got to five, so so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of celebrate from now on in like five, maybe ten episode increments, but yeah, man, great, great that we got this far. Um, super excited. Oh, yeah, you just cut out there for a second, it's all good. Your audio just got kind of muffled. But, uh, yeah, so me and Blake, again, once again, are recording from the, the same place. We are at my house in beautiful Arlington, Texas, just got done playing around the golf so we're both kind of tired kind of sleepy we got we got a little little tipsy on the golf course so we're we're recovering but we're gonna make it work so um what we got lined up for y'all today segment one as always is gonna be new business we're gonna be marijuana regulations on some recruiting updates and some of the visits that we have coming up here uh march 24th and some of the visits we had today um, the Art Bryles scandal and his his resigning from Grambling State, and then some stuff about um, how NIL is going to work with the new NCAA game coming out in 2023. And then in segment two, we're just going to be talking about Brent Venable's legacy, and then we'll finish up with our listener submitted questions. So without further ado, let's get into new business. All right, so the NCAA has just um, just recently released some statements about their their marijuana policies. They're gonna get they're gonna get a little less stringent, and the punishment is gonna be. I mean, for what I'm reading, is essentially non-existent. Um, looks like from what they have said, to trigger a positive test, instead of it being what you it used to be 35 nanograms per milliliter of, of of blood, I'm assuming is what that means. I have no fucking clue, but I'm that's just my guess. To well, no, they don't. What they don't, they don't, uh, they don't blood test them, do they? It's piss test, right? So it have to be piss. Oh, so be, per, per milliliter be, of urine. Yeah, it's got to be. I don't know how much a milliliter of urine is. That doesn't seem like very much. No, it's not. I also don't know how much a nanogram is. Um, <laughs> so we're we're not scientists, people. Okay, we just know that that's it's it's a higher threshold. Okay, so so there. Um, but this change in and of itself has already taken effect. Like this is already, you know, part of their bylaws. It's written in stone and it applies retroactively to tests taken in 2021. So any guys that had any marijuana drug related penalties coming into this next season are going to be erased, assuming that they were under, you know, that 150 mark. So that's good. But on top of th- – this is what I really wanted to talk about because this is what's interesting about it. The penalty now is no longer an automatic suspension for, you know, a predetermined amount of the season. It is now – you have to undergo a, a management and education plan, and that, that's after the first posit- – so if you test positive once, you have to undergo management and education plan. After the first time, if you, if you test positive again – if you followed the management and education plan, there is no 
no no no penalty that takes you out of any out of any part of the season but you just have to continue on that plan and the same goes for the third fourth fifth and so on and so forth so they don't actually suffer a pen, like a like a suspension as long as they're following the management and education plan so it sounds like they can continue to smoke weed so long as they're doing this like extracurricular course or whatever it may be uh, i'm not sure what it consists of but in my I, opinion, I mean, obviously it doesn't consist of having them stop smoking weed if they can continue to do it and still be on the plan. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. And I'm sure they have to know. I, what I'm sure it is, is just like ensuring that these guys have people that are aware that they're doing it, sure that they're using it in a safe way, which makes sense. But I mean, I, I honestly think this is a, a positive thing for college football because like, you know, a lot of guys like to smoke weed recreationally. Um, some of them for medicinal purposes. You know, football is a, a rough sport. You know, I have a lot of aches and pains. But, you know, I think it's a positive thing because it's, you know, it's a drug just like alcohol. Um, it's it's definitely not a performance-enhancing drug. Um, and from what it sounds like, it sounds like their chief officer actually supports um, And uh, it, it promotes safe drug use for young men which i think is the most important thing yeah well i mean you hear about i mean it's not really talked about but kind of hush hush there's like a chronic opioid epidemic within football because of injuries and like you said aches and pains and bruises and i mean you're just you're out there getting the shit kicked out of you every single day yeah. and so i think yeah having there's no reason to not have them be able to to smoke a little weed and you know, I think they should. I think they should go further. I think they should be allowed to do like coke and stuff. Why not? It made the well, you know, or, or be like force the 80s them to smoke weed. Again. Force them to smoke weed so that they don't get addicted to opioids. But no, I mean, yeah, it's kind of it's, it's one of those things that needed to happen. We're we're living in an evolving world that's getting more and more progressive. And the NFL, the NBA, they've all gotten rid of their their marijuana regulations. It's like. Who's the is it Randy Gregory? Randy Gregory that likes to smoke a lot of weed. But I mean, yeah, it's just it's just like drinking. Nobody nobody sits there and regulates how much alcohol somebody's drinking. So why should they regulate how much weed they're smoking? But yeah, overall positive thing for the NCAA. Good for you, NCAA, for getting more progressive and taking a lot of these restrictions off these athletes whose lives are hard enough. Um, moving on, as we said before, obviously we had a absolute truckload of recruiting visits today in the month of March. Um, I'm not even going to go through the full list because it keeps changing. Um, more guys keep getting added on and, you know, so many of them are from 23, 24, even 25 classes. So um, they're not, I don't want to say they're not relevant at this point, but obviously they're not OU's most immediate concern, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on who you think, you know, the top three targets are from this, these early March visits that, um, OU really needs to focus on landing. So I guess, I guess yeah. you do your first one and then I'll do my first and we just kind of, kind of ping pong. Yeah, we can go. I think, you know, we discussed this a little bit earlier and I think it's pretty much the same three guys, uh, as far as the March visits go. Um, I really like Caden Green. Uh, he's big boy, 6'5", 3'10". He's got very quick feet, active hands. 
and uh, he's currently crystal balled to OU, and so it's looking it's looking good. He's got a few other um, few other interests with Michigan, Baylor, Arkansas, Cincinnati, but as of right now, it looks like uh, Bindenbaugh and Venables have done a good job of. Um, <laughs> it's it's amazing that 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 looks exactly like what I have written in my notes. That's fantastic. What? Uh, we, <laughs> that's fantastic that we have the same thoughts on the same guy. Uh, Damn, so it looks it looks crazy. like everybody it looks like everybody Blake didn't want to uh to write his own report on Caden Green, so he is uh he has hijacked mine from my notes that I sent him. But uh, I mean, every everything you say is true. I agree with everything you're saying. He is six five, three hundred ten pounds. Uh, does have very quick feet, active hands. Um, and just to add on what you were saying, you know, I was watching, I was watching film on him, and uh, our boy Lebius Overton, who it looks like, um, unfortunately, has taken OU out of the mix for the most part. Um, I watched him pancake him twice, and I mean that's like you know obviously. Number one, number one play, number one player, top five players in the country, interior right there. So um, I think this could be a dude, especially with how much our offensive line's been struggling um, with this new coaching change, and especially last year. So we definitely need some size, definitely need some athleticism at that O line position. And uh, thank you, thank you for trying to uh, trying to take you- credit. I thought you were going to do the professional thing and just and just let it roll off. Oh no, no, I'm gonna let I'm I'm, I'm letting everybody know. <laughs> uh, those those were those were my thoughts. Uh, yeah, not not that it's anything super secret. I mean, that's pretty much what all the other analysts have to say about him too. Not that I'm an analyst. Again, we don't we like to act like we know shit about football, but we really don't. Um, moving on, number two, uh, I think is Micah Tease. Um, he's definitely poised to be the number one player in Oklahoma next year. Um, great speed, ball hawk DB, can play both sides of the field really well. And um, OU is at a point where we really need to start locking down these in-state guys. I know we're starting to have more and more success in, you know, the southeast, and we've always recruited well from Texas and California. But um, making sure that, you know, guys in, at, in Oklahoma that are good enough to play at OU, play at OU, I think is really important. Yeah, definitely. He's a Tulsa kid uh, out of Booker T and um, 9.93 rating on the the composite. He's currently listed as a wide receiver, but I'm pretty sure they're recruiting him as a DB because uh, I know Jay Valet has been um, really active in his recruiting. He's super fast. Uh, he has 100 times of um, right around 11, 11.03 um, track guy. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to have great speed, definitely good to get some talent. Whether he ends up playing wide receiver or DB, um, yeah, doesn't hurt to have speed like that. It'll 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 be DB. The the thing about these guys listed as multi like multi position. Every every super good player that's good enough to play at a blue blood program at their high school plays multiple positions because they're just definitely the bat the best at multiple positions. So uh, he's being recruited to us as a DB. So that is you know, what he'll be playing for the remainder of his career, assuming he comes to OU, which um, I think he will. And then uh, number three, another O-lineman, Miles McVay. This dude is absolutely massive. He is 6'6", 358 pounds. Um, Watching – if you compare him to Caden Green, 
it's kind of interesting because obviously he has a lot more size, which is really, really good. Um, he does have, you know, decent feet, great size, obviously. The only concern to me is he's just not as athletic in terms of getting his hands on defenders and, you know, forcing them, forcing them away from the pocket. He doesn't really have a good punch. Um, but that was my only complaint from him really. Um, but obviously a dude of that size would be huge in building, you know, a dominant O-line here in the next two to three years. Um, I'm not sure how likely, likely we are to get him. I know that Bama and Michigan are the front, or Michigan state are the front runners right now. But, uh, you know, as long as we're in the mix, based on what Brendan has been doing, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he, he's definitely got huge size. Um, he's the number 13 rate, rated offensive tackle in the country. Um, the .94 composite rating. I, it doesn't look like we're going to land him. Um, from what I've seen, we're not even on his top list. Like you said, in Bama, Michigan State, I, I some Arizona, Arizona State. Uh, but I, I don't really see that necessarily there's any indications that he's um, headed our way, but still we can be, we can be yep. hopeful. Yep. But just like, just to, just to throw in a little bit of positivity, not that I, not that I want to crap on the kid because he doesn't want to come to you obviously, but if I had to pick, you know, one of the two between Miles McVay and Caden Green, even though he's, you know, obviously not, not as large. I'm definitely going to go with Caden Green just based on, you know, his athleticism. Um, so, you know, he's crystal ball to you. So if you're going to be excited about somebody, be excited about Caden Green for sure. And then, uh, as I mentioned before, Levius Overton, it's, it's not looking good for us. It's looking like it's probably going to be um, Georgia or Texas A&M. So I think we might be out of the race on this one. But, you know, we, 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 gave, it a, we gave it a college try. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that we're still completely out of the race, but he's definitely, from everything I've seen, it looks like he's leaning towards A&M. Um, like you said, Georgia is on his list. Oregon is on his list. Ohio State, pretty much all the, the Blue Blood programs um, are going after him. Yep. You never know what will happen. Um, maybe Venables can pull some, some magic, a little sooner magic, and we can, we can lock him up, get our, get our sure. first five-star of the class. For sure. But, uh, you know, me being always the optimist, even if we don't get him, you know, it's it's nothing to be super sad about. If it if it was really a situation where we needed a guy like Levius Overton in order to build a successful defense, then Brent Venables isn't as good as we think he is. So um, it's a, it's more of a want, not need situation with Levius Overton for sure. So don't get too sad, Sooner fans. Uh, moving on to the next part of new business. Um Art Bryles, man, just can't can't catch a break. Cannot get back into the college game. Accepts a job. Grambling State is the OC under Hugh Jackson, and is resigning four days after taking the job after facing backlash from the alumni. Um, thoughts, thoughts. Yeah, I mean, he needs to just retire. I'm sure he made plenty of money. I don't know how much it cost him to settle whatever lawsuits happened after the the Baylor thing, but I, he's made plenty of money. He needs to just retire because, what, he was kicking it around high school for he was, a few he years. Was, he's been coaching then, high school for the last few years. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you screw up your reputation that bad, and you need to just, like, go find something else to do. Do pottery or, or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, it, it's probably after this 
sometimes you're prone to hate up. However, I don't necessarily agree with with you know essentially trying to lock him out of the NCAA the way you know the way these alumni bases are. Um, because you guys didn't even stood up for him. He was like, no, you know, he, he's a he's a great coach. He did extremely good things at Baylor, and you know, we should want him here because he's going to help us build a successful football program. And you know, I don't really. I think if you really believe that he was a bad person, he wouldn't have offered him the job in the first place. So it's one of those right. things. He got caught up in a really bad situation. You know, people people don't always see clearly. Don't always make the the right choices. But um, obviously, you know, we just brought on somebody who was associated with that whole that whole staff as well. So sometimes you got to see past those, those rough times in people's careers. Yeah. I mean, I'm again, he'll, he'll probably find something. I think if he was maybe brought on as like an analyst for someone, it mm-hmm. wouldn't, it wouldn't be as big of a thing, but when you're coming on as an OC, like that's kind of a, kind of a big deal, especially when you have his name and his pedigree. And so it's going to draw controversy. And I mean, yep. Here's the thing, you you do what you do, and he had a whole lot of success at Baylor, but then you gotta, gotta pay the price. You yep. Pay for your crimes. Yep. Maybe uh, I'm thinking maybe maybe USFL, maybe USFL. Get some, go get some of that rock money. I don't know. I mean, he's got he's got the resume for it, and obviously he won't be working with with amateurs anymore. So he, there's not gonna be many rules to break. So I don't know, man. Uh, Art Browse, if you're watching this, maybe maybe consider going and putting in some applications. Um, so one thing that I wanted so, – so for those of you who don't know – well, none of you know because we've never talked about it before. Um, I'm a very big gamer. I love to play the PlayStation. I love to play my Switch. Um, Blake also games recreationally. He plays a lot of Madden. I play some Madden. I don't play a lot of Madden because I'm not, not the biggest fan. But – a game that we both used to love back in our childhoods, um, NCAA football, is coming back game. in 2023. Yes, EA Sports, it's in the game. It's coming back in 2023. Um, there has not been a game released in 2013, so it will have been a full 10 years since the last game came out. And obviously yep. they stopped making the franchise because there's so many issues with like program brands and – using players, you know, jersey numbers and name, image, and likeness issues. But now um, that is perfectly okay. So the game, like the franchise is able to continue. They're coming out with a new game. uh, And they do plan on using players, name, image, and likeness and um, putting in the game. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about how, you know, we think that's going to work with NIL and how players are going to make money, programs are going to make money, and even, you know – I just want to oh, before we before we get into that. Do you remember? Because I think I think we did it. Maybe it was back like NCAA two thousand ten mm-hmm. or two thousand nine. Because it was always all the players were just QB number seven and WR number eighty eight. I'm pretty sure one of those years. I want to say it's like two thousand nine or two thousand ten. We went through and we named the entire Oklahoma roster. Just so I, that we can actually have the names on there. I don't remember that. No, I think I, I think I was too, too young to still have that memory. You might have been too young, but yeah, I, I remember it. So I'm, I'm overjoyed that we will actually have an NCAA game 
with the players' actual names. So you don't have QB7. And then you'd, you'd be playing Dynasty. And so you'd go through the draft, and they would generate the fake names. And so then you'd have, like, half of your roster was QB number 10. And then it was, like, you know, like Tyrone Lewis. And it's right. like, well, that's just that's just stupid. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, under so, – so under the new NIL policy uh, – Essentially, EA is allowed to negotiate with college athletes, like, as, like as a collective or individually. So, how do you like? What do you think in terms of like, obviously, them getting the license, the right to use players, you know, name, image, and likeness? How do you think they're going to go about that? Will they go about that on like, you know, a program basis, like go after the collectives, or? are they going to negotiate with just like the select athletes that they want to use in the game? Cause I, like, I really, I feel like it's up in the air. There's just. No. So I think, I think they're going to want to have this be a, a fluid system so that they get everybody's names. Cause again, you don't want to have like half the players names and then the other one's names are like, like either fake names or it's like a, like you don't want to get into that. I think most likely what we're going to end up seeing come about over the next two, three, four years is players associations associated with the different conferences. So you'll have like an SEC PA, you'll have a big 12 PA, you'll have a big 10 PA, and they're going to be the ones that do the collective bargaining for those, those types of NIL deals where it's something where they need to use all of the, all of the athletes, likeness in mass um mm-hmm. i think you're gonna end up seeing those pop pop up to help negotiate those deals so that there's an even amount of money spread around right and then so like i feel like you could either do it on the con- like a conference players association or go through what most programs are starting to use now which is these collectives which is essentially you know the way that the program like donors are able to funnel the money that they're trying to give to the program and individual players to them in exchange for, you know, name, image, and likeness things like signing autographs, um, you know, taking pictures or in this case being in a video game. My only, my only question would be like, like where like, like are better players going to be getting paid more for, you know, the rights to use their name in the game and like how they would go about that as well. Oh yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's without a doubt what you're end up getting. I think is a is a like a tier system where mm-hmm. okay, so quote unquote stars are going to be paid at a certain level for these. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if it's someone who's like a cover athlete, or um, you know, if they're if they're featured in like the story mode or the dynasty or whatever. I think that's going to be paid out at one level. You're going to have all of your starters are going to be paid out at one level mm-hmm. that are like considered like non-stars. So like your offensive linemen, your lesser known wide receivers, running backs, and then everyone else is going to get paid out at like whatever the base level is. Right. Um, I don't think it'll probably end up being a whole lot. Cause I mean, you figure there's how many schools they have to get, how much information, how much they need to pay. I mean, the athletes might see, you know, a couple hundred bucks from it, but it's still like, it's still just, it's still cool to have. And um, I'm excited to see what they do with it. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely am too. Um, obviously, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity to get some of these lesser known players, like another NIL opportunity. Obviously a lot of programs are going to start doing it with Jersey sales and, um, but at least this way, you know, it's if, if their if their name, image, and likeness is being used in the game, they they get some guaranteed money. Yeah. Um, but like with nil, like it should be utilized for everybody. You know, it doesn't just have to be the big names. The goal should be to maximize that financial success for everybody off the field. So, um, definitely super excited. Super excited to play it. Um, you know, if somebody told me, you know, give me 150 bucks right now, and I'll give you give you the game, like I I would 100 percent pay pay 150 bucks for it so oh i will not wait i just hope they're uh, i hope the physics of it are better than than madden i hope yeah. they have a different team working on it because madden's been kind of kind of doo-doo the past couple of years yeah yeah i agree i agree what uh what what rating do you think uh even if they even do ratings i feel like there's too many players to even do so but what do you think uh dylan gabriel would get no they got to do ratings that's I mean, they did ratings in the old ones. They have to do ratings in the new ones. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, shit. I mean, we could almost do an entire extra episode on what we think our starters' ratings are going to be. Dylan Gabriel, I'm going to say they're going to go low. I think they're going to give him like an 84 or 85 overall. Really? I I think I would – I think – well, what do you – like, assuming assuming at the end of the season – the game was made. What do you? I, I mean, I think at least a ninety overall. I well, right. we don't know. We don't know how he's gonna play. I mean, that's that's true. That's true. Anyway, all right. Obviously, um, we hope you guys are excited too. Actually, that's a good one. That's a good one. If you if you watch this episode, let us know on Twitter. Um, you know what you think some players overalls would be. I don't care which players. Just pick some players and tell me, that, or tell me which players you think would have the highest overall rating. That's a better one. Um, but, yeah, moving on, uh, obviously I just talked a little bit about collectives. Um, Oklahoma now has a collective. Um, it is it is Strengthened Sooners, LLC. Not not the greatest name. No. Not in love with the name at all. Strengthened Sooners, LLC just doesn't, doesn't come off the tongue very well. But uh, it's actually led by Gabe Eichard, who is co-host of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Teddy Lehman. And uh, I don't know who else is in it. Don't know shit else about it. Um, don't know what they've been doing or even really how it works. I just I just thought it was relevant to mention that uh, that it exists, so we can now pay our players donor money in a way that does not seem so so sleazy. Make it feel like they're you know earning it. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't heard of that at all. The strength of news, and honestly, when I tried to find information on it, it was very scarce. One thing I did land on though that I didn't I was not aware of that I thought was really interesting was they did set up in December uh something called the OU Exchange which is basically a platform that allows businesses and student athletes to connect directly. I thought that was very very interesting. I was not aware that that was I wasn't aware that that was a thing, but it's a free service to all student athletes. Um, and the commercial enterprises that use it. And it basically um, helps the athletics department, you know, customize and manage their NIL uh, reporting and, and all of that proof business and stuff like that. So I don't know if this has anything to do with that. Um, 
but I definitely think it's cool to see how these businesses are starting to pop up around all of the NIL stuff. That's interesting. That's actually really interesting. But yeah, I mean, it it's basically just like a buffer. It's basically a way for, because obviously, we're, let's not deny it, boosters have existed for years and years and years and years that, you know, essentially pay players to play their sport at, you know, the university they want them to play at. Um, but this way, boosters, or in this case, donors, are able to still fund the program, uh, you know, in a way that they want to, and their money is used the way they want it to be. Um, but you're essentially, it, it makes it to where you're, you're paying them for their brand, not for them playing their sport, um, which yeah. I'm not sure if it's any more, you know, any more ethical, but um, it's the rules now. So I'm glad we have one. Um, it's definitely going to be an advantage for us. So um, last, last part of new business, just wanted to talk about it really quick because I think it's hilarious. Um, I don't know how closely you follow, um, you know, Oklahoma Twitter, but see a lot of a lot of USC subtweets on there and man their their fan base is just a, like they swear they swear they're getting one of the best coaches in college football like they they think Lincoln Riley is going to come in there and turn them into Alabama like i i think they legitimately think they're going to have a shot at the national championship very very soon and i cannot wait for the disappointment to set in yeah, I mean, look, they're buying in because they're excited because they feel like they have a little bit of hope for the first time in God knows how long. Um, you know, I, I can't I can't fault USC fans for being excited because if, honestly, if I was a USC fan, I would probably be pretty excited as well. You know, they, they did get a coach that has at least gone to a playoff or two, um, even if he hasn't won any, and – they are getting a, a, a top tier quarterback that's coming in. So, I mean, they have, yeah, I can't fault the USC fans. It's not their fault that Lincoln Riley yeah. is a, a little snake, but um, you know, yeah, I think they're going to have to temper their expectations because dude, dude's not coming in and taking them to the playoffs the first year. They'll be lucky if they make it to a pac 12 yeah. championship in the first year with that offensive line. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just, it's just hilarious to me because I feel like, Everyone outside of OU, especially people on the West Coast and U.S. they've been watching the entire situation in Norman through, you know, a glass globe. Like they, they think they see what's going on, but they're not in it, so they really have no idea, or they have a very they have a very like vague idea. But I cannot wait, I cannot wait for them to realize, like, oh shit, everything OU said about this guy is 100% true, and it's now happening to us. Yeah, but again, they don't have much to compare it to because, I mean, I, I don't think – That is true. That is true. They, like, to, anything... them, to them, it's going to be great. They're going to even – you know, they don't have defense. Well, they don't have a defense now, so it's not like they're losing anything yeah. there. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I guess it, for them, anything's an improvement, but, like, when it gets to a point where they're hitting, like, plateaus – and they're just like, man, we keep having the same issues year after year after year, and the program's just stagnant. Like, it's not getting any better. It's not getting worse. We're just floating in limbo. Like, I, I just – I can't wait for people to start to acknowledge that everything the OU fan base said about Lincoln Riley 
holds true at any university, not just Oklahoma. It's not the program's fault. So um, definitely just wanted to talk about that because USC fans are absolutely hilarious. And they just they try to take these little jabs, like they try to insert themselves, like they're up on the same tier as Oklahoma in terms of being like, you know, a blue blood football program. And it's just funny because it's just like you guys are so puny and haven't been relevant in however many years. Yeah, so, I think uh, I think you also have to look with them though. The LA media has been really, really harsh on on OU. I mean, we've talked about it, kind of how they've graded the the Brent Venables higher, and like our program's just falling to shit. Even though, like us who are looking from the inside, we know okay, everything's getting a lot better, so we're not worried. But the same way the media has really pushed the Lincoln Riley higher is like the higher of the century, which again, in a way for that program to land a coach, even of his caliber, that is like a huge win. Um, but I think that's giving them a skewed perception of what is actually happening. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. Any, any, anything else for new business? Anything you want to add on? Nope. All right, cool, cool. Man, we're flying through this one. This is gonna be this is gonna be a shortish episode. Um so yeah, moving on to segment number two. So obviously Brent Venables has certainly settled into his role, has already started to have some success on the recruiting trail and is building a culture that I think everybody can already kind of tell is going to be really, really special and something that OU hasn't seen for a very, very long time. Uh, maybe something that we didn't even see under Bob Stoops, not, not anything against Bob Stoops. Obviously, he's a legend. But, um, you know, it really, it really feels like we're building something special here. So I just wanted to talk about the future of Brent Venables and, like, what we think his legacy at OU is going to look like. I just kind of like jotted down some questions just as like a, you know, conversation starter. But I mean, I really just wanted to like, you know, talk about what we think the Brent Venables legacy is going to be. Is this where we're going to guess how long Brent Venables dick is? Is that that this segment or is that the user submitted question? User submitted question. I think everybody already has an idea. It's quite large, quite large. Definitely longer than Lincoln Riley's. It's huge. It's huge. Huge. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, first question. Let's just go by the questions, and, you know, if you want to tangent off, that's fine. But um, how long are you thinking that Brent Venable's tenure at Oklahoma is going to last? Ten years. Ten years? Eight eight to ten years. Mm. See, I think this is a – I think this is an end-of-career destination. Oh, so do I. I just only think he has about eight to ten years. And then I think a lot of that is going to be contingent on his ability to win a national championship. I think think over the next ten years, if he's able to win a couple natties, I think he'll be like, okay, I'm I'm good. I've got got five as a coach, um, two as a head coach, three as a coordinator – I'm good. I can go retire. I'm one. Of, I, I'll be considered one of the best college coaches in the history of the game. I'm cool to go retire now. Yeah, I mean, I. He's just man. He's just. I I see it being longer than ten years to be. I mean, he's just such like an energetic guy. I don't. How old is he? He's he's, he's, he's in his fifties though. He's fifty. Okay, he's, he's fifty one. He's fifty one. 
I okay, mean, so, okay, maybe maybe fifteen years. I, I thought he was see, older. I can see fifteen years. Yeah, I mean, obviously, but but like definitely, I see this as the final destination yeah, for in sure. his career. Obviously, he was very attached to um, being a defensive coordinator. So just the fact that this this role was able to coax him out and finally take a head coaching job, which he was, you know, deserving of as well. Um, OU's, OU's definitely his last stop. So he's going to be, he's going to be here for quite some time. Um, but on the national championship point that you had, um, how many, assuming his, assuming let's say 12 years. Okay. Okay. He's at OU for another 12 years. Out of those 12, how many is he winning national championships in? I'm going to be conservative and I'm going to say two. Okay. See, I was thinking three to four range. And the reason why I say this is because of it. And this gets me to my next question. My next question was going to be, is there success under Brent Venables going to be cyclical? Um, similar to like, you know, an LSU or um, what's another good example? Uh, like, a, like a Michigan or, you know, how Miami used to be where it's, you know, every few years they get really, really good or, is he going to turn Oklahoma into a true powerhouse program that's dominant year after year after year? Maybe not necessarily winning a national championship, but always in the playoff, always competing. I, I genuinely believe the answer to that question is yes. He's going to turn it into a true powerhouse again. So I could definitely see three or four being the realistic number for how many national championships we'd have yeah. in the next 12 years. Yeah, it could. But again, we've been, and I don't really like, cause we've been competing for national championships, even under Lincoln Riley, under Bob Stoops, we were competing for them. And I, and I still think, I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the history of the college football playoff, there's only a handful, uh, there's only a few teams that have more appearances than us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to, continue on in a similar way it's just it's really hard to win a national championship it it's is really, really 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 hard. hard and so even if we're a powerhouse and we're even if we're making it i mean how how many national championships did clemson make it to and or, or they were in the playoffs competing for it and they only won two i mean it's 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 very very difficult to win a national championship even if you're uh, even if you are a powerhouse school yeah. like clemson alabama georgia i mean georgia has been a powerhouse for the past, you know, I would say at least five years. They've been a very, very strong team, and yep. they just finally won one. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I still think two is like that's – it could be more, it could be four if we just go on like a hot streak. But yeah, um, I think two is probably more – realistic, and I'd be happy with two. I'd be happy to see two. Oh, I'd be, I'd be more than happy with two. But I, the thing is, is it's just it, – it's one of those things where I feel like Oklahoma is at a point where there's an opportunity for a guy to come in and become another like legacy coach. Um, Cause obviously Bob Stoops was like a legend. He coached here for a super long, what was it? 15 years he coached here. Um, a long time. But he only, he only won one national championship. So, I mean, obviously there were points where OU was really, really good really, really dominant, but um, not like the Barry Switzer era. So, I mean, I think no. Brent Venables has an opportunity to come in and be that guy to turn turn this this upcoming era of college football into OU's era, to, like, own it. Um, 
So I could definitely see three or four being in the picture. Um, and then, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess that leads me into like my, my final question on the Brent Venables legacy. It's like, what, what do you see the program's brand being like five years down the line from now? Where I hope it's at, because no one, no one's in, in doubt that OU's a, a top 10 program in college football year in and year out, every single year we're a top 10 college football program where I hope we are is at a kind of un, an undisputable level to where when OU gets in the national or gets into the playoffs, or if we make it to a national championship, it's not a, Oh God, how did they make it in again? Like they yeah. just, they just let, were let in, but they can't. And then we kind of would prove them right. Cause we'd go to the playoffs and then we'd shit our, shit our pants. Yep. And then it would just, they'd be like, Oh, OU's overrated. They don't deserve that. I hope in the next three to five years we get past that. And we had, we established some dominance to where people are like, kind of used like Alabama. No one's going, Oh, well, Alabama's doesn't deserve to be in the playoffs. They're yeah. overrated. No one's doing that to Georgia. Um, you don't really get people doing that for Ohio state. I hope that we ascend to that level to where it's not like a, Oh, they're just, they're overrated. They, they don't deserve to be here. Yep. So I, I want to, I think it'll be at a point where success doesn't come at a surprise in a place where, The you recording just the recording just said it was disconnected, but I could still hear you. Yeah, um, you cut out. You cut out for a second. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I also, I think, I think we're gonna be in a place where we're no longer the the worst of the best. You know, of the top five, we're not number five. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think I think we're gonna be in a much better place. But just in terms of like brand on like a team performance level. I think it's going to be kind of like just a a very upgraded, like modernized version of the teams we used to see back in the Switzer era. We didn't see, we weren't alive, but the, <laughs> the long-time OU fans saw back in the Switzer era where it's literally just like, a super dominant, like strangling defense that like hardly gives up any points mixed with an offense that can kind of has versatility and can score in multiple ways um, with that run game. But then also obviously, you know, we have quarterback play now and it's much more popular in the game than it used to be back then. So um, I just see us being a team that's like, I'm kind of similar to Bama, like just really, really good on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I hope so. That's, I mean, that's the goal. Everyone's trying to emulate Bama, but it's hard. I mean, there's only yeah. one Bama. The closest, the team that got the closest, though, was Clemson, who Venables yeah. had a big part in building. So, you know, hopefully they, they, there's some transference from that over to us. Yep. Yeah. But uh, message to all the OU fans out there is be patient. We're going we're gonna to get ours. Um you're watching you're watching college football history unfold, so just kind of sit back and sit back and enjoy it. And when it's our time, it will you'll you'll know it. You'll know it when it's when it'll be our use time. And this is something that I have to keep reminding myself of too, because I'm I'm always I'm always itching, man. I've I've I gotta tell you, I've been having like meth level withdrawals from college football. Like I need to watch OU play 
I, I get to these Saturday mornings and I'm like, dude, like, I need some fucking football. I need some football bad. Just anything. Like, it doesn't even have to be OU football. Just, just anything. Well, we have USFL um, coming up. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Not so sure about that. We'll, we'll <laughs> see. We'll see what the we'll see what the level of play looks like there. But yeah, any anything else on uh, Brimminables? No, I don't think so. Cool, cool. You know what? Since we have time, you know, we, we can we can talk about this real our our dad was absolutely hounding us to talk about this because he just he just loves any opportunity to take a shot at Lincoln Riley. But uh something that we all noticed was uh, obviously OU has this new two hundred and twelve degree club thing that they've kinda imparted in the guys in their program. And basically what it means is water boils at two hundred and twelve degrees Fahrenheit. Um so really the theme behind it is like how hard are you willing to work to get that extra degree to where, you know, that water boils or to where you're, you know, you're that much, you're, it makes a difference between a good team and a great team. So like how hard are you willing to work for that extra degree? Um, so they've been doing these things where, you know, guys that are really, really putting that work in workouts and practices, um, get recognition for it on social media. And something that he noticed that I noticed is that most of the guys that have earned those accolades so far have been first-year transfers. So guys that have not played at OU before, have not, this is their first year practicing at OU. Um, so he thought, he thought it was interesting and said a lot about um, the kind of, you know, the culture, pansy culture that was left yeah. behind by, by the Riley administration. Yeah, I think it's going to take a little bit of time, or, you know, at least a couple of years for us to purge that out. Yeah. Um, I think you'll what you'll probably see is this next year there will probably be some guys that, that transfer out because they, they'll have a year of it and maybe they won't be able to keep up and so they'll get sick of it and they'll, they'll just dip. Yeah. Um, my thing is great. If we, bring in, if we bring in transfer guys that can lead the way for the next year or two, until Venables can start to get some of his own recruits in that have that level of toughness. Um, you know, I mean, that's, that's why you're bringing in the transfer kids. That's why you bring them in. Yeah. And yeah, I, you know, I mean, I think that's, that was the epidemic that we saw in the Riley era was it was just weak teams, just pansy, pansy ass teams, yeah. um, you know, not conditioned, not disciplined, just, you know, I mean, just not yeah. not tough. They just weren't tough, and so I'm excited to see once once Vendables really gets his first team. You know, it'll be players. it'll, be, it'll yeah. be a couple of years, but once he gets his first team on the field, to see what that difference is going to look like. So I think it's going to be huge. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's well, yeah. Once he gets you know his players out there, um, we're going to see what you know, a team completely under his, his management looks like. But, I mean, it's nothing against the guys that have played at OU already. Like, obviously, they've played their ass off for this team. You know, I love I love all of them. love watching them. But it's just, it's one of those things you come in – it's just kind of nature versus nurture. You Like, you, you have to realize how much of it is taught. Like, when you, oh, yeah. when you run a program that isn't a tight ship – and you give guys so much slack and you give them no means for like accountability and motivation, like that, that's going to be the result. And it's not even necessarily their fault. It's just not, it's not 
it's not it, it's once in every once in every few people you're going to find somebody that that's that self-motivated to to kind of be better than that and just of their own you know of their own will but you know when you like when you run your program like that that's the result you're going to get yeah um, i mean they, there's definitely a, there's that saying that if you you know if you hang out with if you hang out with four losers you'll be the fifth one yeah that yeah, like that, show, that show, that me, kinda... show me your five best friends and i'll show you exactly i'll show yeah, you it's, the future if that's if that's what is allowed I mean, you see them like you see it in companies too. You see mm. it in companies if they, if the if the culture is just kind of eh, you know, whatever. Or even worse, what I think OU was built on is, oh, we're we're so talented because we have all these we have all these crazy offensive talents that we can afford to be kind of weak because we're just so much better than yeah. everybody else. And that is a trap. That's yeah. what gets that's what gets your ass kicked by teams like Bama in Georgia left and right because they have the talent and they have that toughness and you yeah. need both. Yeah. And then from like, from what it sounds like, it sounds like is, I mean, Perry on Winfrey was talking about it. Um, what's up? My dog just came in my room. Um, but Perry on Winfrey was talking about it um, on uh, the Oklahoma breakdown podcast, but he was just like, yeah, like, you know, I get I get to the NFL Combine, and they're just they're, they're teaching me these these tendencies and these like habits that I was never learning at OU that fit who I am and like my position and my style of play so much better. So like, you had these situations where, you know, you have a guy like Perry on Winfrey that just demolishes guys in one on one matchups, and they're teaching him to play below himself essentially so it's like a lot of it was not even necessarily a lack of teaching but teaching them the wrong habits yeah so um i think that's definitely something that's gonna be out the window or probably already is out the window um and will be completely completely gone next season hopefully um but yeah that's all i have on that um any any last thoughts coda just shook my hand for those of y'all who don't know, oh, she know, came in the other room. Okay, she did. For those of y'all who don't know, Coda is Jackson's dog, and she's a big, uh, she's a big bear. She's a giant bear. She's my baby. But uh, yeah, so uh, moving on, our last segment: listener submitted questions. Fortunately, we again did not have a listener submitted question this week. I was kind of sad because last week we did, so I was hoping we'd get another one. But uh, so I came up with a question myself. And it is, Brent Venables did not exist. If he was not a person, who would you have picked for the head coaching position and why? Um, uh, for me, this one's simple. It's, uh, it's Urban Meyer because who doesn't want a head coach that likes to go out to bars and get, you know, grinded on by, by young women. Um, yeah. That's – to me, it's you know yeah. that's the art brides right now. I know I don't I don't know that I I really had anybody else who I thought was a better fit. Um, I suppose my thing is I probably would have gone. I'm glad we we got Brent Venables, even though I think having Lincoln Riley for so long got me in such an offensive mindset that who I instantly went to when it was said that he was leaving were offensive minded coaches 
So looking at people like, like Lane Kiffin um, that could come in and try and fill his shoes rather than a complete culture change. Um, I don't know that we could have gotten a better defensive minded coach to come in. Yeah, def- definitely not. Um, my, my initial thought, like, and, and this is only because of recent events that have happened that I say this, but like my initial thought would be Dave Aranda from Baylor um, because they just gave him a huge extension for, um, for like, as far as, you know, the head coaching position goes at that school. And, um, you know, he definitely deserved it. Obviously won the conference, you know, was on, well, kind of was on the cusp of a playoff. If, if, you know, some other teams had slipped, would have been right there on the cusp of a playoff. And uh, obviously just had, you know, a monster defensive line that he was coaching. And um, just overall a solid pro- – really, they were just missing a quarterback. I think they were a quarterback away from being a playoff contending team. I don't know if you agree, but – Yeah, they um, were – Baylor was really good last year. I I would definitely say they were the best team that we faced. Yeah. Um, without yeah, a doubt. But, yeah, but yeah, he he would have been my if if not Brent Venables, he would have been my first thought. Um, but it just goes to show, dude, like these that like Baylor's smart, Cincinnati's smart for extending Luke Fickle because that is how you take your program from average mediocre to being a really really good program is finding a coach that builds a system that is extremely, extremely good and then doing whatever you can in your power to keep them and not being cheap. Like you can't be a penny pincher and expect to build a really, really good football program. So shout out to Cincinnati, shout out to Baylor for um, forking up the money to keep those guys there because that's how they're going to be. Obviously, you know, not great news for us. We're going to have to play some tough Baylor teams, but really, really smart on their parts, doing whatever they could to keep those guys in there and their current roles, especially with all the openings that have been popping up and uh, the kind of coaching carousel going on. All right. I do have one final question though. One final question. What, uh, what is OU's rating team rating going to be on the new game? As of, as of like this season, beginning of this season. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like 89 to 87 range is what the, is what they would give us. I feel like they would low ball us. And again, I I don't know. I guess that that would really be subjective. Like, what would you rate? Like, what would you rate Alabama? Would they get like a ninety six rating overall, most likely? Yeah, I'm assuming they would set the bar. If not them, then Georgia. Um, Th- them or Georgia get like a ninety six, ninety five, ninety six. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I no like... no no team in Madden ever ever comes out to like a a team rating like ninety eight, ninety nine. So I'd say no. ninety six would be the bar. Okay, then yeah, I would say probably I feel like they'd lowball us and maybe give us an eighty-seven. Yeah, and then rank Michigan above us with like an eighty-nine. Yeah, for, I feel like they'd probably give Michigan like a ninety-one, just for shits and giggles. Yeah, that'd be some shit. But yeah, we're kind of out of time here, guys. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to end it. Blake's got to get home to the to the wife. Not not his wife, his fiance. But but he's he's got to get home. So we're gonna end it there. Um, <laughs> Love you guys. We'll see you next week. We appreciate all the support, all the all the interaction on Twitter, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Boomer Sooner. Boomer. Peace.